0: People of Earth, if you are listening to this, you've picked up a signal from another planet. Fanboy Planet. the cons, Watch anime chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber Geek. Kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left to F in your dictionary. And add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, This is Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and we are p- podcasting the Fanboy Planet podcast from on the undisclosed location of the Brett Cave. It is Thursday, October 11th? I think so. No, I think so. We are timeless. Um, and so, <laughs> <laughs> or we're just not aware. Or we're unaware. And across from me tonight, it's just a two-man operation tonight, Skeleton Crew. Rick Brett Snyder, Skeleton Master. Yes. I say uh, there's nothing about me that slightly even resembles a skeleton. I'm but, uh, not master much, tonight. but thankfully you've given me a Coke Zero, so that's you know it helps. All right, so we've got a lot of comics news. We want to talk about uh, the Saga of Saga. We want to talk about the Return of the Joker. We want to talk about how the Avengers and the X Men sang. Why can't we be friends this week? And the Phantom Stranger. Uh, I think I've got a better name for him than Stranger. And uh, the rumors of a new Man of Steel comic tie-in. Mm. And Legendary Comics plans to really make a splash at NYCC. That's the New York Comic Con. And comiXology may have just blown the whole industry wide open. And then in movies, we've got How Did Jack Kirby Save the Hostages in Iran? And uh, some rumors of a casting in Avengers 2? And Happy a blue flying horse, and a rap star? Can they get together to make beautiful music? We'll find out. It sounds like a lot. It does sound like a lot. And there's TV news and games, and oh my gosh, there's so much. We better get on it. But we should, but of course we've got to say, first up, uh, we want to talk about, uh, if you are listening to this, uh, you can find it on the www.fanboyplanet.com. You can find us on iTunes. Please subscribe. Please give us a rating Make it a good one. I'd, I'd like that. Tell your friends, and you can of course listen to us on the Stitcher app. We'd also like to point out that some Fanboy Planet content is now available on a site called Buzzchomp. We're kind of experimenting with that I with an saw alliance that this week, and we'll talk about that later off the air. You and I, and uh, and then we also want to really tout our buddies over at Convolution, where we will be making a live appearance, recording the Fanboy Planet podcast. You can be part of live. the studio audience. I mean, we're always kind of live. We're we're but We're as live as it gets. Yeah. Tonight, who knows? It's just the two of us. We don't have somebody poking us with a stick, and uh, we might get a little too relaxed, but we'll see. Anyway, uh, so Convolution. Rick, can you tell us a little bit about Convolution? Oh, my. Convolution is the uh, Santa Clara County, uh, f- um, you know,
1: I Although,
0: want to come back to that because I wanted to have that up on the screen. Oh, right. you That's wanted right. to be clever. It's actually uh, taking place in San Mateo County, I believe. <laughs> I knew I was wrong right <laughs> off the bat. San Mateo County, and it's from some of the same people that brought you BayCon year after year, and we love that that organization as well. But now there's another convention as well, because, you know, really... People like us, we need to stick together as often as we possibly can, and I, I no longer see anything wrong with that. So there's Convolution, November 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, right? Yes, at the uh, Hyatt Regency,
1: San Francisco. It's near the airport in Burlingame, California. Burlingame, It's a yes. beautiful hotel. I've been there a number of times for gaming conventions. I'm really looking forward to this. We will be by the bar for the uh, for I our, think I podcast. was
0: actually there once for a Hallmark Ornament convention. I want an ornament. Is that, a, is, that, <laughs> is that something you really want to say in public? Dude, I bought at Comic-Con a Dark Knight Returns commemorative Hallmark Christmas ornament of Batman. Okay. So, you know what? They're cool. Is that what you were buying at the convention back off. originally? Uh, it, it, not at that one, no. <laughs> okay. I, I believe I got the the Enterprise, the light-up oh, uh, okay. way back when, which now can't work with modern lighting systems. But there's a way to adapt. I can fix it. Uh, I think I get it. I I will do what everybody does now. Look it up on YouTube. Yes. Um, so uh, let's then uh, get to it's the second, third, fourth. There are still tickets available for this? Yes. And
1: if you go to wwwcon convolution, you can uh, get all the information about registering. The guests of honor this year, Steve Jackson of Steve Jackson and Games. Games. Those are the guys that make Munchkin,
0: aren't they? Yes, they are. And Which I of- have played once and enjoyed. That's about all I can say about any game. Yeah, I have played it once, and I've enjoyed it. They are coming out with a new version of their long
1: fan-favorite game, Ogre, which originally came out in a pouch about the size of an envelope that you'd mail in the mail. This thing is like 50 pounds and 4 feet by 4 feet by a foot. With a box, box. made of
0: actual freeze-dried Ogre.
1: It's It's huge. In fact, you can buy the game, you can buy a... A bag, a shoulder bag to carry the game in, they actually have it accessorized that way anyway howard <laughs> Howard Taylor, Julie Dixon, Steve Berman, stephen burst it 's going to be a great convention, and Fanboy Planet will be there
0: on Sunday on Sunday. Rick will be there the whole weekend. I will not be there. Chris Garcia will be there the whole weekend. weekend, oh, so really it's just me, yeah they won 't be there i won 't be there till Sunday, yes, and we will be podcasting from the bar. I like it. Let's work on ha- that, that happening more often. I think... Not yes. that I want to drink while podcasting. It's dangerous. I slur. I just want our audience drinking. <laughs> a, they'll be happy. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about comics, shall we? First of all, one, we something we've talked about before, and because we've raved, and, and Nate, who is not on assignment, he's actually... He just was out of town this weekend, so he couldn't... Okay. The point is that uh, he was the guy who convinced me... To pick up Saga Number One by Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples, yep. love the art, love the writing, and the trade paperback, which is basically the equivalent of graphic crack right now, came out this week. That's came a, out yesterday. That's good crack, crack that's four, good for you. Nine dollars and ninety nine cents six issues no real ancillary material so uh you know uh i suspect that that you know down the road we might get a saga omnibus with all kinds of stuff but for right now if you have not jumped on the saga bandwagon you should and it and this is cheaper than having purchased the original books. on top of that we're issue six is current right yeah you
1: buy this right now you're ready for issue seven when yes. it comes out You can get caught up With this
0: one volume For seven For ten bucks For ten bucks um, So this. they were They were taking off A couple months To get caught up And to let this Let this sit in the, in the marketplace For a little bit Incredible value And it should Because it's an incredibly Great book And I gotta say Like I, I finally broke down This week It's been Just to talk about Brian K. Vaughn As a writer There's been on the You know you're familiar With the concept of The Hollywood Blacklist Yes The screenplays That are I, uh, I'm
1: trying to get on that list
0: you have to write a screenplay. I know. Yeah. Um, so, that's like top 10 uh, thing, screenplays. And there's one that people have talked about, I've heard before, called Roundtable by Brian K. Vaughn about Merlin trying to get a, a roundtable together today to fight Morgana. And I finally read it. And it's just and it's just proof of Brian K. Vaughn is just this guy. I can't, aside from perhaps. Not having watched Lost and people being upset with that show um, where it went. I I can't blame Brian K. Vaughn for that because everything else that I've read by that guy is just great. And that screenplay sings and Saga sings. You've got a horned guy with wings or does, or does she have leather wings She's got I've lost I've lost track of who's who but these warring warring it's science
1: fiction and fantasy blended seamlessly with supernatural cuz there's story. there's
0: ghosts and there's yeah. and there there's a a, a, race a of, living rocket ship and there are and there are a ra- there's a race of war, of uh of imperial of an imperial case that are like they have televisions for heads, for heads. I are we being are we being satirized? I don't know. I don't care. It's just amazing. The dialogue's great. The 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 story, the art, the yeah. characters feel so real, so I think lived we're gushing in. At this, point. we are, and we should because you can't you can't stress enough. This is one of those books that is like you shouldn't miss this. You you really shouldn't. It's just it's it's great. You know, there's another trade paperback that, that sparks that came out this week, and I I have an interview with the creators, and I really need to get time to transcribe it because I really want to tout this. Smoke and Mirrors came out from IDW, so it's a five-issue miniseries, or the first volume, five-issue miniseries to be followed by another five-issue miniseries, and I met the creators at Comic-Con, and uh, one of them is the chairman of the board at the Magic Castle. Okay. So, what? Smoke and mirrors. Famous, famous place where magicians right, go Right. Sorry, the magic. Where yes, it, it's the I don't know what you call the magicians' league, the yes, union, the, the cabal. Um, anyway, so uh, yeah, the Magic Castle is in Hollywood. It's a it's a it's a magicians' club. You get to go by invitation. Bill Bixby used to go all the time. <laughs> I was- loved that show, The Magician. And uh, so and, and I've been in there, and it, is, and it is an amazing place, like they have uh, W.C. Fields pool table. He donated that nice. And so they have that behind glass, and there's, and there's a library of vaudeville history, and it, I mean, just some really amazing stuff if you're interested in performing. Um, but anyway, uh, so this book, "Smoke and Mirrors," is about a magician, uh, an illusionist, if you will, who w- walks through a door in a bank one day. And then ends up in a world where actual magic is the rule. Magic is the technology. Okay. So in order to power your cars, you have to know the spell that will make it move. It's not just the magic of Fred's two feet. Right. And so he is this guy who has no actual magic powers so he has to keep it very very low key that he is performing illusions and because they've never had to to watch the hand, you know the hand quicker than the eye stuff no one knows what he's doing. They think he's created a whole new form of oh, magic, magic. Awesome. And they want and so he's being pursued. But what's really interesting about the series is each issue actually teaches you how to do a trick within the context of the story. Oh, that's great. So it's yeah. It's a really cool, so like card forces and stuff. Yes, so like you know, card tricks and because that's what he's doing is close up magic and nobody yeah. knows it. So it teaches you how to do a close up, no, no, yeah, magic. In right. It, but, yeah. So you know, so he teaches teach them how to do a, cl- you know, so it'll teach you how to do a close up magic trick. And one of the things I really enjoyed is that so the writers were saying, were telling me this is like the artist didn't believe them that the trick would work. That like he, they were, they like telling them, please follow our directions, draw this the way we've explained, and the trick will work. And the guy's like, no, no, no. And then it, so each issue, the artist keeps coming back and going, holy crap, it worked. <laughs> so um, so that's a, there's, there's coming out with a collection of... So the trade paperback came out. So the first five issues hit uh, okay. in, in a trade uh, yesterday, Wednesday. and, and That's um, a whole story arc. It's a whole story arc. And the intention was that the The guy from the magic castle wanted to just do a magic um how to in uh in a in graphic novel form, but realized that probably wouldn't sell, but if he could trick us into reading a story, he could sell his manual how meta uh, it's great it's yeah. great, so I just want to put that out there it 's a really a fun series. And if you're someone like, like me who's always just kind of like, oh, that's really cool. I, you know, I, my, my fingers are too short and stubby to perform close-up no. magic. Uh, well, it worked for Billy Joel. Uh, so, uh, and maybe Ricky J. But uh, it's still, it's a really cool series. I haven't attempted any of the illusions, but it, it's still, it's a really cool series. So I picked that up at Comic-Con. I meant to talk about it. And then I saw, oh, dang it, the trade paperback came up. It came out, and it's like one of my. Oh, I gotta catch up on that. Um, and another one that I gotta catch up on is this weekend at New York Comic Con, "Kill Shakespeare," which I have touted before. Right, finished up. There's a grand like twelve issue um, ultimate e- edition coming out. Oh, really? Okay. They're doing it's turned into a live stage show, and they're doing a performance tomorrow night in New at New York Comic Con. It's Very a cool. stage reading, I think. I don't think they're doing the full on production, but they're looking to to give that around to have so the, they've done
1: a stage treatment but a stage actually, treatment they're, and they're, they're uh, acted, I, I think in them.
0: Canada there's been a regional theater that's actually done it okay so I mean you know it's not gonna be you know it's gonna be one of those that very much depends on the on the illusion of theater the magic of theater but that is so meta again so Shakespearean of course yes as I just two weeks ago went and saw other Henry the production of Henry V where it's like Shakespeare keeps calling attention to hi we're a play yes we're a play and so I'm I'm I wish I was in New York to see this. And I, and but I do have from a few months ago I did an interview with Anthony Del Cole and Connor McCreary, the writers of Kill Shakespeare, and I'd like to get that up on the website as well. Well,
1: listeners, if you're it and in New York at New York
0: Comic Con and you see it, let us know. Send us a mail. Absolutely. Let me let us know how it went. So that's really awesome. And uh, another thing that was really awesome this week, the Joker returned to bat continuity. And did you read this in Batman number 13? I did read it. So I picked up the whole thing. Like I went back last week uh, and I picked up Detective 13. So John Lehman's debut on the title. And I read that one too. With the Penguin. And I thought, very interesting contrast between Detective and Batman. So first let me go back to Detective and see if you have the same feeling I have. Is that like if I had, had written a review of it, the thing I would say is it felt like the stories from the seventies, the way I think I remember them, not the way they probably actually were. The fun, the absolute black and white morality of of Batman and right. the division kind of between Batman and Bruce Wayne. I was flashing on the Michael Golden
1: Batman from the seventies. From the seventies, I yeah. was
0: thinking more Dick, uh, the Dick Giordano. You know, yeah. like because there are a couple that stick in my mind because of that. Do you remember you had those big hardbacks, that like Batman from the 30s to mm-hmm. the 70s? So I had that. So there were a few like stories in that that I read over and over and over. And so, you know, the Neil Adams and then to Dick yep. Giordano. And um, and that's what this issue, fe- what Detective 13 felt like. A good a kind of new 52 reimagining the Penguin, which is almost in line with the one that's, that Jeff Johns did in Batman Earth 1. It's very much in line with the, uh, the character
1: that's in the Arkham Asylum games.
0: Ah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, I really, really, um, that was just great, and and John Lehman was hilarious. I mean, this whole the dichotomy of like, <laughs> I love the page one of Batman saying, uh, "Bruce Wayne gave money to the Orthodontics Association." Yes, yes, and it makes me feel not too bad about this and breaking some guys. <laughs> Did you job? see how
1: they mispainted the one one guy though? No. He's supposed to have a cast on his leg, but they painted the cast flesh tone. Oh, so, so bad so he's got
0: elephantitis. Oh, so some bad coloring. But, then, you yeah. know, you let that go. That feels very that 70s, was, too. It was very much... Uh, so, But that was fun, and that was a book that I would like if, if my son sees it, I'd say, yeah, go ahead. You could read this. And then... Then there, I went to yeah. Batgirl 13 because oh, okay. it went... because I skipped it, that one. Because, well, I just didn't know. Um, because er- 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 Elusive, they sold out and Steve said, oh my gosh, no, it's supposed to be part of this Death of the Family too mm-hmm. So I went over to Comics Conspiracy and I picked it up. And I read it and went, well, one, Gail Simone, I believe, is writing it still. And it's a really good book, but you don't need it okay. for Death of the Family. There are three panels that, because we as... Fans would know exactly um, what they're alluding to, right? That you'd get that's the connection to death of the family. Okay, but it didn't have any influence on Batman Thirteen. Good, strong story on its own, right? Where I went, oh, I would kind of like to catch up and go back and see what Gail Simone had been doing with this because she set up some interesting villains for Batgirl. Because I really wouldn't tell you, couldn't tell you before, who Batgirl's like great arch nemesis were. Killer Moth. <laughs> yeah I said great Arch. No, yeah no it would be Killer Moth Killer Moth so bad you know he's in that tele- that uh, Yvonne Craig Batgirl pilot uh-huh. if you've ever seen that um, and so she, but she's created clearly like in 12 issues had created a rogues gallery about four pretty strong yeah, yeah. new villains I, re- I read like the first five issues and I, I enjoyed them I just yeah. kind of you know it's like I have to cut some things so I cut some things yep. and then I thought well that's very solid but it's not part of Death of the Family Then I picked up Batman 13 and opened that because that was clearly the first official chapter. Mm -hmm. And that was the creepiest damn thing I've read. The police house sequence? Uh, Holy crap. It felt real. It felt scary. It felt terrifying. I
1: I was flashing on uh, Dark Knight, the original Dark Knight uh, Joker, uh, Frank
0: Miller. uh, Well, there's allusions to that. I mean, that's what was great is that I felt like by, first of all, titling the Death of the Family where it's clearly going back to – a death in the family, the the death of Jason Todd, the beating to death. Mm-hmm. Who remember way back when in the eighties, and but it's like this is like the criticism I have of any creator coming in and doing like their arc on any hero, like the thing. But we, I guess we as fans enjoy it. Is it's just always like replaying the greatest hits. Like so when uh, when Jeff Loeb did Hush with Jim Lee on Batman, it really was here's everybody Batman's ever known goes through in 12 issues and then hush is organizing the whole thing. Right. And, um, when, when Kevin Smith did green arrow, Kevin Smith's run on green arrow was again, everything that's ever happened in green arrows life is going to be commented on. Actually, it was more even a, here's green arrows relationship to the DC universe okay. re examined. Yep. Um, and it's not, and it's not to say that's bad. I've enjoyed, I enjoyed both of those. Uh, but, it's it's always like uh, you know I'm realizing we're we're just we just keep revisiting the same things over and over, but this does it while moving it forward and why? But it does it subtly instead of being obvious. It's like it's not calling attention to it, but he appears uh, from the beginning. There, so there's then there's a visual cue taken from the Dark Knight Returns mm-hmm. with the Joker on TV, right? Which is then. But but then it's also tied into the Joker's first appearance back in 1940, right? Yeah. And it's like but moder- but moder- you know modernized, and uh, I know that it's going to be a greatest hits because everybody is going it's, it's weaving through every Bat book eventually. But the Joker said some things aside from which Batman comes. It's like he gets his hands dirty, which he doesn't normally do. That the, that police sequence in the in the police department is just so it is creepy it's creepy and it's cinematic i mean with oh, the yeah. lights going on and off and
1: you have that one frame where he's obviously leaving the door you can only see his foot as he's leaving the doorway where he must have been a moment before,
0: before i'm gonna say came on. i'm gonna say like i've I've always kind of liked greg capullo's art i'm not i wasn't a big spawn, you know spawn guy so i'm not like oh yeah totally yeah. greg capullo and i read the first couple of issues of batman when scott snyder started it and so I read where the Joker got his face cut off right. by Dollmaker and I went yeah the art's okay but this, this is the best work I've ever seen Greg Capullo do and yep. this, if he's not already in a top rank of modern artists this is going to catapult him because what he has is exactly what you're saying, a cinematic, a very cinematic sense of layout. His storytelling yep. was incredible in this book and the lettering, it's one of those, the lettering because the Joker would not be half as creepy without, the, without just how well balanced oh, that and well it, it, uh, yeah. and it, it I has, don't want to spoil it but, no, but, but, it, but there are we, things that it's just like I was going oh my god what's
1: great about this book is we can talk about so much of it and not spoil any of it like his, his panel breakdowns and his page breakdowns his page he does he does like two a, a couple of sequences where it's like three or four complete page panel breakdowns and then a, and then a page which tells another story just yeah. jumped in there, and then he jumps out of that again, and then there's a backup story. Oh, and w- but but that echoed the backup story that was in um, Detective, right? Right. right. So the, uh, it seems like they're starting. They're starting to do that, and it was awesome. I mean, both of them kind of
0: like, yeah. like it was like telling earlier stories, preludes in the after, but just uh, just chilling. Oh, and, that was, and yeah. Oh, uh, you know. So look again. So Detective is the one you can give to your kid, um, and I would. Oh, I don't know. No, with the penguin. No, I mean, there's a little bit of no. Okay. I, I maybe no. The violence is nothing more than they would than you know they would see in their average action film. You know, it, it's okay. He there's a little bit of blood at one point, but it's you know I wouldn't give it to a five year old, but right. I mean you know kid macaw maybe the backup story there's a dead there's a gang oh yeah yeah but it, but and... it was still done kind of off camera enough yeah. that I was like okay but. But there's no way. Yep. Batman 13. This is oh, it's brutal. And 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 one it's of the beautifully things beautifully brutal. And one of the things I felt was like you know when Heath Ledger played the Joker, obviously mm-hmm. everybody went, "That's it. That's as scary as the Joker can be." And yeah. Scott Snyder just went, "Really? Let me I show think you I can later. top that." <laughs> you know. Yeah. And suddenly, uh, the Joker is just absolutely and and he gives his motivation too. And it's so just like that is perfectly Joker, yeah. And that is perfectly not the Joker, and this is perfectly not something the Joker has ever done. It's a, it's an over the edge. I just want to add two more things. One, you know,
1: to to echo your business about the uh, the TV sequence, but a brilliant dis- disclosure: what's really going on there throughout the panels. So about the middle of it you figure out what's going on yes. you have to go back and reread the beginning yes. part of it again to it get, was so to, it to was really dense, cons- and that's the
0: thing is i read yeah. it twice and i don't have that much time right but a comic book that made me read it twice not because i was like i didn't get it it was because i'm not sure i caught everything i got i've got to know i've yep. got to know how much i've caught. the other thing is
1: as we they bring in all the all the prior robins and you finally get to damien who's up on his perch in the bat cave and he's going He's not that big a deal. He he got his face cut off and stuff. And then Bruce turns to him and goes, he let, let him his face, face, face <laughs> cut off. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going, Damien, you realize
0: you're on the menu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get cocky. Well, but that's totally Damien. And right. that's the thing is, you know, and that's. I, Which is another thing, just in general, there are many things I've not liked about the New 52, obviously. Yeah. We've talked about it. But, but Damien as a character yeah. has been actually really, you know, I thought, well, nobody's going to handle him as well as Grant Morrison did. Peter J. Tomasi has done a really great job in Batman and Robin, defi- r- defining Damien, moving the character forward. Yeah. And clearly, Scott Snyder has a handle on it too, and yeah. that's it. He's a cocky kid. He's only ten or maybe eleven now. They maybe said he's eleven yeah. now. He's only eleven. He thinks he knows it all because, well, he's a grandson. Because he was uh, trained it, by assassins since birth. Then yeah. his mother told him he was king. You know. But but Batman, <laughs> you know, is making it clear. Uh, but you know, and that's and that's going to change things because the other thing is that tomasi has been doing suddenly in Batman and Robin, and not so subtly is Bruce Wayne's really trying to learn how to be a father in a way he's Mm -hmm. never had to be for any of the wards. So his actual son is, you know, he's forgiven things that he would never have forgiven the others. Damien is a weak point. Damien, yes. Damien is a weak point that the others would not be. Yes. And he's dangerous for reasons that he doesn't quite understand. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's... I'm really. I was gonna, you know, gonna skip it and go. Uh, do I really need to take uh, this on this uh, this epic? And I'm not a big epic fan anymore. You know, I want those little self-contained. But I thought, no, this sounds like the Joker is going to be so dang creepy. I got to yeah. know. And I, I know was going to buy a lot more Ma- Batman books. Yes, I was launch, absolutely so. rewarded by that. Sorry, Rob Liefeld. Yep. Um, I also gave a shot to in the ashes in the aftermath of. Of a huge crossover, Avengers, versus Avengers versus X Men. Now they say, can't we all just get along? Yeah. Um, I bought literally Uncanny Avengers number one, which is Rick Remender and John Cassidy. Mm-hmm. Which I think is John Cassidy's return to regular comics after a while out. He's just been doing covers. I can't think of, his, of his, he's, pretty pretty sure he's he's been doing. I'm pretty sure he's been doing something. I, I, well, he's been directing. He's been trying to do. He's been, he directed an episode of Dollhouse. He's been trying to get a couple of film projects off the ground, like shorts and stuff. Okay. So um I thought immediately you open up there and by putting him on this this book it it just calls back to astonishing x-men his work mm-hmm. with Joss Whedon yeah. which was beautiful still to me like that's the best book that Marvel's done in a decade. It's a great collection to have on your shelf. Yes. And 20- thanks to you I do have that on my shelf. Uh actually on my on my daughter's stack of no you are going to read this eventually so it's just going to sit there quietly. Without judgment, read it. Um, and, um, yeah, it was just really interesting. Remender went right into the gross. So, like, I went right after Batman 13 to reading Uncanny X-Men 1. And getting- is, did you do the AR on that one? I tried. It's not working it was, well was, for me.
1: It was hard to get it to come up.
0: I'm not impressed with the AR. It told me it failed. Well, it basically, I mean. And we, then it spun around a with, while. Without, and I went, I without
1: I saying what's going on in the panel, there's a very, very gross stepwise procedure going on, uh, a surgical procedure. Right. Yes. You say, And the AR, and there's, but there, for each panel, there's a spoken bit of, of dialogue. That's that's progressively getting a little bit more. Sinister. So what's the AR doing? Is
0: it is it the, sin,
1: the the AR animates it, animates the sequence, but there's no dialogue.
0: I yeah, I'm not impressed with the AR. I'm I, gonna I, say I'm glad I'm not. I don't think I'm paying extra for it. I hope I'm not. No, you're not. I mean, they, but like I tried it with the Avengers versus X Men one. My my son really really wanted to buy it uh-huh. really wanted to read it, and I and I and he didn't realize about the AR. And I said, I'll show you the AR. We didn't get a chance to read it to her like a couple months after. Like we, I think we got a third printing, but the AR things were still there. Yeah, and none of it worked. I could not bring up anything to show him to impress. It's it's why is it this hard? It's tricky because it it requires. And you're going off of an iPad, right? You're not
1: actually. I did it today with my Android phone. But, oh, okay, so it was pretty much the same experience you have one you need to clean your lens make sure it's clean because you need to get a good focus in it. The other thing is when you get it on the page you tap the, you tap the screen to get it to focus and then it then it will usually pick it up oh. you need to you need also to be have have the whole panel that the AR symbol is in in, yeah, in that's unframed yeah they don't have any instructions on it you're supposed to be smart enough to figure it out well you were no but I'm a nerd i'm i'm a super nerd um but the
0: but- would you mind isolating that and just like use the <laughs> <laughs> let me use that occasionally as like can i have a like a radio show a little deck of sound cues to just play sound board. To- <laughs> um
1: <laughs> yeah no, but i i agree with you i think most of what and it's like we it's, could totally sell that app it's 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 like a c it's like a, a chocolate candy box where they're Almost all hard caramels, and there's one soft center one, and you really have to hunt through all these stupid ones that are all like the, the the pencils to inks to to colored ones, which I bored bored yeah, I bored know. with yeah,
0: to, to what one actually matters. Yeah, and there 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 were a couple of really really cool ones during AVS. Yeah, but you know what? I, but it, you maybe, really had to hunt them down. I know. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't want to get bogged down in in, in what we didn't like about that because otherwise. Oh sure, the book no, Uncanny Avengers was really good, and I'm glad I, I took a shot. Yeah, um, one love Cassidy's art, mm-hmm. and there's just no you know like it, just um, the only you know I mean and, and and there was no way around it is like you have to have the Wolverine f- memories and the funeral right, and it's like one we know this is a crock we've seen this scene at least five times in X-Men history, um, and it's just getting in the way of, you know, it's a chance for a writer to get, to once again restate and give his thesis on, on Charles Xavier's dream. We hear a lot about Charles Xavier's dream. I wonder how many people, I mean, with, I'm not going to spoil it, uh, I'll get your
1: reaction to this, I wonder how many people are going to pick up on the joke that's in that final panel of... The book, uh, uh, the whole book, yeah. The, uh,
0: the the holding up of and, um, I'm gonna think about. It. Did I? Um, I mean, I, I we'll talk about it. Off okay, here. we'll yeah. talk about it. We'll talk about it again later. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it, that was a really. Let's get that. It was like a like a again like a what? Uh, what? Um, what is it more like a they saved? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I, I did get that, but I, I thought what I really appreciated about it was. I didn't read any of it, uh, except for the first issue of Avengers vs. X-Men, which I read mm-hmm. with my son. I didn't read any of that, and I didn't need it. I just needed to know what the stat- what's the, status, what's the quo. status quo. was Rick Remender threw that in there. Boom, it's established. Why does Captain America choose the people he does? Or, well, in one case, is he chooses one, two are going to be chosen for him right. very clearly. And a fourth is going to be, well, he sells books. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so... Well, the the other thing I I was I'm actually going to ding Remender a little bit.
1: I mean not Remender, Cassidy. Um because I have a I I have this thing about they've been sh- over the years Scott Summers has been more and more buff and muscular and yeah, leader is not slim. And now when he's, he's in prison, he's Bruce Banner. He's 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 runty. He is not. He is not muscular and tall and
0: stuff. Oh no! But you know, no. Um, I think that Cassidy's always drawn him that way. I think in uh, in, in Astonishing yeah. X Men, he was slim because you have to remember that that was he was not introduced as Scott Summers in X Men number right. one. He was Slim Summers, and Wolverine still calls him Slim and stuff. Yeah,
1: but he's been drawn muscular, and which, big is mistake, and stuff
0: which is a mistake. Which is a mistake. And the one thing I think the, why I like Cassidy is he thinks about it. Yeah. He thinks about why his characters, what his characters are built like, instead of just going to. I think there are too many artists, and there, and there are artists that I like that still do this. Is I'm sorry, superheroes have one build if they're adults, if they're women, and if they're teens, this is what their build is, and it's all you know, and, and, and it's like no, but real people yeah. aren't, you know. It's like an argument. But would that w- you say he's not six foot? He's at least six foot. Scott Summers? Yeah, yeah. He's at least six feet tall. He's not six foot in that. Well, he's book. sitting in almost every every page.
1: He's, he's walking around a little bit too. And I didn't really and notice it, that. That's my pick. Nit but pick, you know, but, but that's why you know. Uh, like, but I love the book.
0: I, I yeah. thought it was a great. It was a great book, and now and and, and and I'm pissed because now Marvel now has me kind of intrigued of like, okay, this was not this was not the book I was most interested in, and it got me hooked. Yeah. So what are the books I'm really interested in going to do? Like, I'm going to check out now, um I just, it was a guy, Karen Gillen, who wrote Phonogram. Uh-huh. And was apparently doing, was was writing Journey into Mystery. So I went and bought the first two trades of Journey into Mystery, fine, because I realized they were out. I somehow missed the fact that they were available. Yeah. And I've heard some, I haven't had a chance to read them yet. Oh, okay. But the thing is, Loki's going into Young Avengers. Karen Gillen is writing Young Avengers, which comes out in like a week or two. and cool. And it's like, just right there, it's like. Loki is an Avenger. Yeah. And that's not that can't go well. <laughs> uh, you know, so that caught me. Loki's I, the Damien of Marvel Universe. I want to read Mark White. You know, that's not a bad comparison, yeah. but I haven't read Journey into Mystery yet. To oh, s- you're gonna enjoy it. So uh, so I got the first two, and then the third trade comes out in a couple weeks. So by the time I finally get around to finishing them, then it's like, Oh, I have a whole new trade, yay. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, I like that. A book i i liked uh, considerably less <laughs> <laughs> oh phantom stranger number 1 yeah
1: it had such a beautiful cover with all those demons
0: and things again i i have no gripe with brent anderson's artwork yeah and as you have asked me to do putting aside that i don't like the redefinition of the character i'm not going to do this i just asked you
1: to do that for this review right this, is, so not, this is not
0: this is not I don't think it's a spoiler because it happened in the first three pages. Yeah. The Phantom Stranger in the first three pages lets a little boy die. Yes.
1: Because the voice is no, in his I, I want too.
0: I want that to just resonate. Sink in. yeah. This is the the choice. This is a Marvel hero. Oh, this is a DC, DC hero. hero. This is the choice being made by Dan DiDio the guy in charge. Dan DiDio is the voice in the Phantom Stranger's, Stranger's head. This is not, by the way, that the Phantom Stranger tries to save the boy no. and fails, no. which I would be disgusted by, but I would understand. Mm-hmm. He lets it happen. Why? So he can meet the new 52 version of Raven. Yeah. Knowing that that's a domino that has to fall. That is just disgusting. And again, I've said this before, and I don't know if you feel the same way. I and mean, Maybe you can tell me. is I do understand that you need to do things for dramatic purpose. But when you're launching a character, any reader who is a parent, and I, I to the best of my knowledge, I could be wrong and I will be happy to to be disabused of this notion. Dan DeDio, Jeff Johns, James Robinson, because Jeff Johns made him, regular child killers in comics, and they don't have kids. They don't understand how to, us as parents, that's the most disgusting, devastating thing you can do. it, It, It is the most, it would be the most... Debilitating thing you could do to a parent, right? And but they the,
1: underplay the actual tragedy of it. But
0: for this story, it's a throwaway bit. Yeah, you killed a child for a throwaway plot point. And then, let's be honest. I mean, he's he's there to observe
1: the death of the child. Yeah, he knows it's going to happen. It's not like he he doesn't pull the trigger.
0: But or you anything. know what he's, I could do? Uh, what I would do? Yeah, start at the damn funeral. Yeah,
1: you could do because that. because. You didn't need you that didn't three need pages that. of showing that right. and making him he look did, like an even well, bigger He didn't need to observe that yeah. that
0: event to be there well, for Well no, the it's secondary. just like it's just like the it, it's just like the Jim Corrigan in issue 0. Yeah. He didn't need to be there for Jim Corrigan to become the Spectre. Yeah. He does. I think I will give him them this. He does need to be there for rave for what happens to Raven to happen.
1: Yeah, I, he or it would have
0: happened eventually, but he, he definitely ta- he
1: takes part in what happens to yeah. Raven. So here is the problem. Here is the
0: problem I have. He
1: lies to her.
0: He lies you? to her. Okay, yeah. So basically, in this first issue, there is nothing heroic about the Phantom Stranger. Right. It's hard for me to put aside my distaste for this revision of him because. The one thing you could say about him, you did not know what he was, you did not know his true nature, who was, you know, but he was a hero. He was cool. He was cool. This guy is not cool. This guy exists to serve the plot point of a larger crossover that's going to come because Pandora, sure as hell, shows up at the end. Yep. And I'm sorry, I don't think this will get me the, um, the, the, the hated, um, uh, ...explicit tag on our podcast, he's the Phantom Asshole. No, yeah. And that's... I'm sorry. Plus, what, the book is obviously you did, fo- formulaic because you, what you're were intrigued by those last two pages? No. I was angered by those last two pages <laughs> yeah, as well because what? Yeah. And okay. not in a good way. Not in a, oh, that's... Oh, that's a bold new take on the character. Right. You've alienated me so badly that I'm going, okay... So he's even a bigger asshole than I thought by everything that I hold heroic, everything I hold as, as, as why I read comics. Now, I mean, I'll read a book like I followed Lucifer, Mike Carey. That's an antihero. Absolutely. But that's out of the gate. I'm sorry. He was Lucifer. I got that. Yeah. Um, I like reading son of Satan. Wrestling with that, but often losing. Damon Hellstrom, often losing with a satanic nature. The, but that was built in. You look what Neil Gaiman does with death. Yeah.
1: You know, the that death is a character and death cares, and death, but death is there to bring on right. the, the afterlife for right. individuals and stuff. It doesn't have to be this... this phantom asshole i mean it doesn't right it's a
0: character seeking redemption and and being tortured and constantly not doing redemptive things yeah
1: and so well i think i think what they're trying to do is i think they're trying to say say he is still paying the price oh i get that in fact
0: now he's down to 28 coins
1: well uh, maybe
0: yeah no he paid he said uh, jim corrigan was the first yeah because by the way, he's wandered the earth for two thousand years and has never come up until now yeah, that this is what the price would be. So he's paid one coin for Jim Corrigan. He pays a second coin for for, for Raven. And maybe the, I,
1: if I was writing it and I had this starting point, I might say that sometimes he doesn't do what he's
0: told and he gets a coin back. But so far he hasn't done that. I know. I know. We don't. And so what I'm feeling when I read, read that read that book is like. So I've read two issues. We've had a zero and a one that have, uh, have followed the same pattern. And the same pattern tells me that this is like what Smallville was when it began, a freak of the week, yeah. um, an excuse to introduce other characters that they want to shoehorn back into the DC universe because they have no other way of doing it organically. Yeah, And so Phantom Stranger becomes more of a showcase book in which we like the stranger less and less, and he's going to do the same thing over and over, Until such time as the crossover comes, then he's going to break. I mean, it's so predictable. And okay, okay, again, I'll eat my, gladly eat my words. Surprise me. Mm -hmm. But I don't like a series that looks to me like it's being built to actually be a mini series. A few years ago when Marvel did this with the Captain Marvel relaunch and he came back from the, or he was supposed to be out of time. Yeah. And just like Thunderbolts number one, you've, they fooled me. Mm-hmm. into and I don't mind if the fooling was along the way the story was interesting going yeah the conflict as you've told me it is is going to be difficult to deal with that's interesting and then they told me what the truth really was and it, sucked. And it was even more interesting no it, captain captain marvel when he yeah. was revealed to be a scroll yeah and did exactly what the original the okay. uh, you can go back to your po- to the I podcast what... you were on and you raved about it too did i you did and and I thought I that was great. I,
1: I think I've been thinking a lot more about Starlin and Captain Marvel. It's lately.
0: well that you know, that may be a reflection. Okay, yeah. just like me with, but I don't have I don't have one like favorite run of Phantom Stranger. Right. Because, by the way, once upon a time, we consistently characterized our, our characters, and it didn't matter who wrote them. It might be a different angle on the characterization, right. but it was still consistent. There's- so I don't know how many people have written Phantom Stranger stories over the year, but I, years, but I would say that over 90% of those stories, he acted the same. The only one that was out of character was probably the Vertigo one, the Vertigo one-shot, mm-hmm. where they tried to make him fit in the vertigo verse instead and that's not really who. because conversely for a character that looks as weird and cool and outside as he is he's a symbol of hope he had been he had been he's not now yeah now it's like if any characters he's and i saw that action i read that action comics 13 last week and went yeah okay even in the phantom zone you're a phantom asshole (laughs) (laughs) yeah Which, But I'll agree with you, too, man. That book, that book was, was so hard to horrible. follow. What the hell was going on yeah. in that? That was, I'll I'll go with it. I'll say it. Troy Benson, listen to me. Grant Morrison at his worst. Yeah. A straightforward Superman Halloween story should not have been, even for Grant Morrison, should not have been incomprehensible. And it was almost incomprehensible. He lost me from the Kryptonian Halloween bit. I was like... Huh? And giant paw prints in the snow that never really pays off, except that I liked the idea I did in the backup story there. I loved that story. That was good. With Crypto's, the ghost of Crypto being with him for his whole life. Yes. That was beautiful. Yes. And that's what Grant Morrison does at his best. What, yes. what all comics do show me a new angle on a, on a completely unbelievable story and make yeah. me believe that's it Superman, or make me want to believe that's it. That's Superman sitting in the clouds looking down all over again. Yes. Yeah. All right, speaking of Superman. Scott Snyder, who we just raved about doing Batman, is going to do Superman. He's going to write what they're calling a tie-in book, but it's not. It's just they're having a title so that you can go... which finally taking a page from Marvel. Um, Man of Steel. Okay. And so they'll have a Superman book called Man of Steel, which will come out just about the same time as the movie Man of Steel will come out. So the people who go to the movies can walk into their local comic book store and see a book called Man of Steel. Excuse me. Sorry. And because I think... Scott Snyder's writing it, I'm willing to take this gamble that they'll get a book that's better than the movie. I won't argue that. Yeah. Uh <laughs> I uh I like Zack Snyder. You're a lot more hopeful about that movie than I am. I and that's I mean that's sad. Like <laughs> I am I am actually hopeful about that movie because I like Zack Snyder's visuals. Uh huh. And I said just come on, give me a Superman visually I can believe. I want that so badly. Yeah. Um, but I can't go back in time and get Christopher Reeve back. And that's what I need. Uh, so, and I know that, but, and the rumor is, and perhaps we'll hear a confirmation at New York comic con that Jim Lee will be doing the art, which doesn't jazz me as much, but uh, I'm not the Jim Lee. I don't don't get me wrong. Don't, it's not that I don't like Jim Lee. Does he get inked by other people? sometimes okay sometimes i think that might help that might help i am not the jim lee fan that a lot of people are i think he's a creative guy he seems yeah. like a really nice guy and when he showed up in san jose i mean he signed for hours you know and, yeah. and i mean he's I, I, i'm not say, i'm not saying he's not a, a and, great and artist. and to go back this is like saying like dan didio again i don't like him as a writer but I get the feeling that if I were to, you know, meet him, yeah. you know, I mean, I, he's always impressed me with his legitimate love of comics. I'm just. The way he handles Comic-Con crowds is just. Is, is, is great. Yeah. But I'm really upset at his writing right now. Yeah. No, I was, the only thing I was <laughs> so, going to say is
1: I'm a little oversaturated with Jim Lee with the relaunch of the 52. And so I'm yeah, if, yeah. If you gave me a Jim Lee with a different. Anchor. Give me somebody else. Yeah. Give me somebody that else. Would probably yeah, make me feel better.
0: Yeah, yeah. give me John Cassidy oh. uh, <laughs> on, on Superman, which was the covers of that uh, J. Michael Straczynski arc that grounded. Right, right, right. But I would like, I would like that. Uh, you know, or or just an interesting artist. And uh, you know, uh, I don't know, I don't know who. But uh, so we'll see. Um, and that was, by the way, from Brian K. Shimada posted on her Facebook page asking me about that, reminding me of that rumor. And so, thank you, Brian uh you know i the next few weeks our our recording schedule is probably going to be a little a little, rough. little erratic uh just because of 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 scheduling issues um so you know we'll still be doing our best to get out a weekly podcast but you know watch our facebook page sign up on the facebook page watch us and we'll be putting out there like you know hey is there anything burning in your mind this week we want to talk about it so brian thank you for uh for posting that and i want to turn to i just got this in on my on my email legendary comics which we talked about the tower chronicles mm-hmm. uh simon bisley and uh matt wagner uh combined for this book that is clearly i mean let's be fair legendary is a film production company first they've gone into graphic novels because they're trying to develop properties that will make a good um transmedia property mm-hmm. i like how i put in that's a very that's clever a very modern, very modern day trendy. It's a very trendy you phrase very smart there i do because I, I, I know this people lose track of this but Rick and die, I am. Uh, <laughs> so, um, I'm no longer going to be afraid of that. Uh, so, anyway, they've announced two, which one does not come as a surprise to me because the legendary is already producing the film. Uh, Guillermo del Toro is going to adapt uh, or have someone adapt under his supervision Pacific Rim, his uh, giant kaiju mecha Americanized film uh, with. That guy from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, San, uh, Charlie Day, yeah, uh, Charlie Day and uh, Idris Elba. So our 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 pilots of the giant mecha suits fighting the kaiju in the there Pacific is so Rim. much good buzz about this movie. Well, you know what I like is it, it just seems like an unlikely. An, Idris Elba, no, I, I mean that's likely. Yeah, Dude, sure. He 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 made me believe that he could be a Norse god. All right, he was Heimdall. Nobody right. else was Heimdall, and. So I'm fine with Idris Elba. Not an issue there. But Charlie Day, I mean, I loved Horrible Bosses. Don't get me wrong again. And I like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I want to see that guy in a mecha suit fighting Kaiju. <laughs> so, He's going to be the one screaming at the top of his lungs. And Oh, yes. Dying. I'm counting on it. Yeah. I'm counting on uh-huh. it. But I will love them. He's the modern-day Bill Paxton. Yeah. We're toast, man. We're toast. Um, So I'm looking forward to that. And then Grant Morrison is going to do a book called Annihilator. And they're going to have... Uh, more news available at Comic Con uh, at the New York Comic Con. Uh, so we should be hearing more about So we that. should be hearing more about it. And we may be able to do some follow-up conversation on our next podcast, whenever that may be. Uh, but, you know, hey, no more than 10 days, we promise. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so Annihilator. I don't know much information about these yet, but it's interesting, legendary. After kind of a, sp- a sputtering start with Holy Terror, which I, I know... They thought it was going to be bigger than it was, and everybody thought it was going to be bigger than it was because it was Frank Miller, and then it turned out to be the ravings of an insane man. And uh, and DC went, Whew, we almost let that be a bat book, uh, you know. <laughs> and so um, and just out of his time, he took too long, maybe. Um, so that kind of knocked him off the off the the block for a, for a few months, and they seem to be back on track because the Tower Chronicles uh, seems to be getting really good buzz and uh I, you know you can't argue with the specific rim how it translates a comic i don't know um and then uh today I, I, as i as I included uh comicsology, which is the online uh one of the two companies that's kind of selling me on uh digital comics, the other one of course being made fire, and you know I keep promising and they keep saying, yes, we'll sit down, but they've got a busy actual schedule putting out books uh or can we call them books chapters in their sagas in their mo comics um but comicsology which does digital comics and you can get marvel you can get dc dark horse everybody through them uh announced hey, that they've got an open submit uh, and what do they call this? Um, vamp for me, Rick. Vamp for me. Well, uh, well. While I'm, they've opening got a up great th- engine for uh, for rendering your comics on iPad and yes. iPod and. Okay, I'm there. I've got it open. It's a Comicsology submit, which is exactly what I said. Okay, uh, I thought I'd gotten it wrong somehow. It's a revolutionary open submission portal that basically it's in a right now. It's in an invitation only private beta phase. Um, so which, you have
1: to. I mean, it's invitation only, but I believe if you contact them,
0: yes, you, you can. You can show you them can
1: request, and they may give you an invitation. That Whereas basically, yeah, down if, the road, that's not going to be required, right?
0: If you're if you're a self publisher, basically, if you've put a book together, you can't afford to publish it, and let's face it, it's expensive. Mm-hmm. It's a risk putting any book out in the marketplace is a risk. As much as I love. Holding the print in my hand. I love going to the store. I love talking to everybody there. I love picking up books. Digital for the struggling creator, the guy with a good idea who maybe image turned him down or he just can't get it together for image, you know, because you still want to pay the artist, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, That, uh, you know, digital is just the way to get your work out there. And so Comicsology doing a submission there is. You're going to see a lot of people now. We'll probably see a lot of crap. But we may also see a lot of really good stuff that was just so different that uh, one I think of the this, big two.
1: This has a chance of really being a renaissance because there are, are a lot of people out there doing web comics right now. Mm-hmm. And one of the one of the limitations is, of course, you have to be sitting in front of your computer with an internet connection. Whereas it, these are going to let you be downloading to your tablet devices, to your iPhones. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're on the train, you're on a plane, whatever you be reading, reading this in the same way you can. You could have potentially been reading a, a Marvel or DC book you bought digitally. Yeah, to be able to get these other fresh, new uh, writers and uh, artists. And right. I think that's and,
0: just it's, great. and it's just like we were talking about Slave Labor uh, when we when we read that uh, – oh what was the name of that book? Uh, the, uh, Loserville? Loserville. Yeah. That, like, Loserville, you needed a publisher like Dan Vado who was willing to take a chance on somebody who maybe wasn't quite ready for the big time. The reality is you look at the sales charts right now. In the mm-hmm. top 100, in the top 100, only two are not published by Marvel or DC, yeah,
1: and that's that's sure numbers. I mean, that's because they put out so many books that are available. Digitally. But also,
0: and the, the only one that is creator owned that's in the top one hundred, which is a non Marvel DC book, Girl Genius. Nope. Uh, no, no comic books, comic books, not not graphic novels. Okay. Uh, in in shops is The Walking Dead. It has a television oh, okay. series. Yeah. You know, and it's high up there. Don't get me wrong; it yeah. is high up there. But the point is, you know, Marvel and DC, and you can say it's sheer numbers, but it's also. But sheer- even Walking
1: Dead is IDW, and they've got. I mean, they're uh, not no, sm- it's Image. I mean, Image, and they're not they're not small. I mean, right? Yeah. So you and know, they're doing a lot of good stuff. And I
0: it. think you know, and because I, I would like to be able to find like I think I've talked about this one before, and nobody has ever written it and saved me, like to say, no, this book did exist. I can remember, like, in the 80s, I had this black and white. I could never find the first couple of issues because it was a regional thing. Um, in L.A., a book called Spaced, not the sitcom with um, Simon Pegg. It was, a, it was a parody. It was a science fiction parody. Uh, there was a, a starship, and they had a Wolverine-like guy, like guy called Lieutenant Snicked, who was always drunk, and he was silly. It was a very funny, funny book, kind of primitively drawn, black and white, stapled together. I tell you, I've looked this up on the internet. I've Googled it because I know that's what Lama told me to do. Google it, people. And I have done that, and, and I can't find, find any reference to it. And yet I'll tell you, I know that somewhere in my boxes I have seven issues. That of was during this, the black and white explosion? During the black and white explosion. I have a vague recollection, of, especially
1: since you mentioned the Wolverine in outer and space. And the, the
0: hero was kind of... He was an alien. He had no nose, but he was really sweet. He was almost like a proto-Bone, you know, like uh, from Jeff Smith later. It wasn't by Jeff Smith. Okay. But, you know, there's kind of that innocence, but he was smart, too. It was more like Mickey Mouse than Bone is sort of like, you know, an, a hapless Mickey Mouse, maybe more like a Morty or Ferdy. Right. The nephews, you know, but... Um, I, I love the way you get you, you fine tune that, that yeah. reference. Mm, yeah, gotta get in there. have used. Um, so and, more Morty than Ferdy. You know what? Just in case people forget that you call me Zorlak and I'm not fit for human <laughs> cat company, I have to remind people. Um, so uh, yeah. Anyway, books like that, there's like you wouldn't have discovered and they wouldn't get published, and like that's lost now. I because really I don't know anybody else who read that book. Yet I know there was more than one copy on the shelf when I purchased it way back when, in 1986. So, um, hey, by the way, if any of you out there have read Space to remember that, help me. Tell me I'm not crazy. Uh, You know, but it's... Or if you have proof it didn't exist. No. No! (laughs) Um, I just, no, I remember that because it was a computer that thought it was God. And it's a joke that I thought was funny. It was like Lieutenant Snick asked it, like, any further questions? He said, yeah, if you're God, why didn't you make beer looks so much like piss i mean why is it yellow <laughs> okay yeah when i was in college that was a funny joke mm-hmm. um so um anyway uh let's move to movies shall we because right. um i i oh, well, i'm gonna throw one in uh that we meant to talk about last week and we told oh, i right. totally forgot my fault but I'm going to talk about a movie that's opening tomorrow, and probably the podcast might have actually gone up like Saturday. Again, we've always got that time and space distortion, um, depending on on Rick's energy level. And uh, let me say, you know, God bless you, man, for doing this. Um, that uh, Argo opens tomorrow, because this is Thursday night, and I saw it on Monday. Uh, ben Affleck's latest directorial effort about the CIA, uh, based on a true story, the CIA managing to rescue six diplomats... From uh, the Iranian hostage crisis, they had gotten out through a side door and taken refuge in the Canadian uh, ambassador's home. And they were trapped inside the house, and the CIA was trying to figure out how to extract it. And uh, this agent, Antonio Mendez, came up with this wild idea to fake a movie production and say that they were scouting for locations for this science sci-fi epic and uh that the six uh Canadian the six American diplomats were actually a, part of a Canadian film crew searching out and so uh they they very effectively faked this.
1: I remember I remember the event when they, they got them out. Which
0: they, they had they at Canadians. the time they, at the time they had but to it, they had to credit the Canadians and now it's been revealed. But they that, didn't say how. When right. They, right. Yeah. Mendez everything got declassified and about four years ago Mendez wrote a book about it. And um it's I mean, they went to great lengths. First of all, if you're in New York this weekend, you can actually see a display at Discovery, uh, which I assume is the Discovery Store in Times Square, called "Spy: The Exhibit," and everything that's remaining that was filed away by the CIA of of the product, the fake production company, of the production artwork, of uh, the ads in Variety <laughs> um, are there. You can you can see "Argo" the movie, but what? Is the big connection to comics is that the artwork was actually all done in real life by Jack Kirby, and it was for a production of Lord of Light, an adaptation of Roger Zelazny's novel Lord of Light. Great novel, which somebody tried to, somebody hired him to do, and he uh, he did it. Uh, you know, he did the did all this concept art. It's wild and all that's there in New York City. You can see it. And I have uh four pages of the art up on Fanboy Planet right now because they sent uh, Discovery sent it to me, sent me copies, which is just I was like looking at it going, Oh my gosh. Which Affleck doesn't use the Kirby art. Oh, that's a shame. Which well there's a reason for it, and I do get it, but it was like but it was a shame because it's like a picture of there's this concept art of all these different heads of characters. And one kind of looks like Ben Affleck. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you should have just kept it, man. It would have been eerie. But um, the reason he doesn't use it is because he goes with more what people would recognize as storyboards. They changed that. To, instead of being concept art, they have storyboarded out the movie. Uh, so, But Michael Parks, the actor who was in Red State for Kevin Smith, uh, plays Jack Kirby. And they actually credit him as as Jack Kirby in, oh, the, cool. in the, the cast. And I thought... That's awesome. They never actually say who it is, but that they went to that trouble to have a scene where the artist goes, you know, is this what you want? And blah, blah blah, and and throws down the storyboards. And I and then I saw Jack Kirby was like, that's just awesome. That was acknowledging, you know, that little thing. So I have an article up on it. On uh, I saw the article I had on Fanboy Planet. And so and that and then the the spy exhibit gate sent me the artwork so that I could. Uh, I, you know, just pepper that through. Well, so I've got to go to the site and read that. You do have to. Um, and the movie is great. Oh, excellent. You know, and so not... So it you know, opens tomorrow. You've got to see a preview of it. i got to see a preview. Okay. And he, he went to... Affleck went to great lengths to not cast stars, but people that looked like the actual people. Good actors oh. who looked... I mean, because you'll recognize some of them as you've seen them in other movies... But they bear a resemblance to the actual historical people to the diplomats. every diplomat matches uh, you know they show the actual faked passports at the end alongside the actors the actor. playing them and it 's just like, wow, a couple of them are scary in in their resemblance so it it's um, he integrates you know actual footage of the uh, of the Iranian storming the embassy. And you know, I let I, I, that's not how it goes. We we were both considerably younger. We were both alive during this time. Yes. I remember it. I like you know, when you see oh, yeah. when you take a shot of the tree with the yellow ribbon, it's like I can remember in high school when the hostages were released and our band the way they announced it at school was they said the band had to come out, the marching band had to come out and play and we had to play tie a yellow ribbon. Yeah. And No, I think we had to play the national anthem. We played the national anthem as the principal stood by the tree where we had the yellow ribbon and untied it and said the hostages have just been released. So, I mean, that's one of my memories. And my uh, memory was also that I had a a friend in high school who was Iranian and how much uh, bigotry, insults, rock throwing that kid had to endure on a daily basis and just the hatred. And Affleck captures all of that. But what I thought was really really interesting is I'd never seen footage of the actual takeover of the embassy, and that he actually has news footage with that, of that, and mixes it in with his characters and and staging the scene around it. So at times it's just based on if you are one of those who can tell the difference in the quality of the film, that's the only difference. Is he's blended so seamlessly. It's a difference between a newsreel or a video, rather, blown up and. and now, raining. sometimes
1: the documentaries will have a little pacing problem or
0: whatever. How's, this move? How's the movie? I about? thought it was paced really well because it focuses on, um, on the United States. It keeps going back to them and their tension, but there's not a lot to say. They're waiting in a house. They, yeah. they don't know what to do. And it goes to the arguments of the CIA. How do you get these guys out? And then you go to Hollywood and what's crazy about Hollywood. And I got to say, production design, pitch, pitch, perfect. They, they they fake a reading of Argo and and they they do it at a at a, fa- a fabulous hotel and they you know have a big big deal and and all the actors who have been hired to read the script which uh, allegedly in real life was like so complex and incomprehensible that you know they knew that like anybody in Iran who tried to read it would realize they had no they couldn't tell if it was real or not so that's what they wanted they just wanted to <laughs> baffle them with BS um But they do this reading, and these actors show up. And I thought, this is so true. Like, the real thing was sparked by why the guy wanted to do Lord of Light was because of Star Wars. So, the villain, you can tell is the villain, looks actually like Ming from the Flash Gordon movie that would have just come out. Uh And so, somebody ripped off that costume, and then there's a blue Wookiee, and then there's a droid that looks like a tall Tweaky... And then it was one shot of a guy actually wearing Buck Rogers costume from the TV show, and it's like, but everything is, and there's a, the, there are Cylons at one point they're walking through, it. so it's like everything is. He's totally steeping it in all these really bad and and cheesy, and we loved them sci-fi movies and TV shows that were being made as a result of Star Wars right. are just all over the place. And there's a shot of his son's toy of his room. With all those action figures, this is the moment. Like, you know, 40-year-old virgin got it wrong, and I started, like, really paying attention. And there are toys you haven't seen in a long time. It's like, not a one's out of time. Not a one's out of place. That's exactly what that kid would have had. Oh, man. Yeah. It's exactly, including that fabulous 12 action figure Star Wars stand with the little... Uh, do, uh, levers to turn them on the dot. Uh, uh, oh, with, with the with the lightsabers yes. the and stuff. Yeah. Uh, yes. So, um, just you know, I, attention to detail, fantastic. But a top thriller. There was a, the at, in, in the climax. I felt like there might have been some Hollywoodizing of the. You know, how much more could go wrong? How much you know? How much more tension could be real? But then I thought about it. And went. It's one of those moments that I'll bet the real situation was, was even crazier. scarier. <laughs> you know? so like, he probably toned it down, but it feels so Hollywood, and it's hard to avoid. Um, and I'm just going to say, Ben Affleck is a great director. This is, you know, the town, uh, gone baby, gone, and now this. And the other thing I'd say about Ben Affleck, people mock him as an actor, but he knows how to use himself. He really knows how to use himself well, to use his strengths. And but he knows how to bring out some great stuff out of out of everybody else. Alan Arkin's fantastic. Best thing John Goodman's done in in years. And so it's just. Do you think it's Academy Award? Um, uh, I think it is. I think it is. Good. I think it's going to be up for it. I don't know. Good. It may be as a thriller. Ultimately, as a political thriller. My fear uh, it might kill its its. Chances. My fear
1: in 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 the previews for this movie and everything I read was that it was going to be just a little bit too weird as far as the story was concerned. No, that it's very straightforward. It. So it, it's I'm, very straightforward it, yeah. it doesn't sound like it's coming. I right. mean, but yeah, uh,
0: yeah, and uh, again, and some people might criticize for this. It does make at some point. I, I was kind of reassured, especially with what's going on in the world, that like the diplo- diplomatic corps, they're very heroic. They're scared. Mm-hmm. They're not going to take a lot of action. But like when the Iranians go in, it's like the the, the six that escape make sure make sure that the Iranians that are in the office get out first. And I don't know if that's historically accurate, but what I've heard about the gentleman, the diplomat that was killed in uh, in uh, Lebanon a couple of weeks ago, um, that that's apparently you know why he was killed was he went to help the Lebanese people. Yes. Um, or it was a was Syria. Wait, well wait it was Syria? I because uh, horrible if I thought the wrong if I said the wrong thing. Uh it was Syria or Lebanon. I think it was Lebanon. Okay. Um but but you know he was very dedicated to helping the people and he went there to try to to rescue pull some of his people out. So, you know, I mean it just it, it does play up the nobility but also the, the humanity. And the, and it's not cowardice. It's look, it's a scare. It was a scare. Libya. Libya. Yeah. It was Libya. Okay, not Lebanese, I'm sorry, the Libyans. So in Libya and and then this being in Iran, it was just uh, you know it brought back the time for me, so I really like that. So um, <coughs> let us uh, throw in another flashback to the seventies. I think it was a documentary that came out. Was that on uh, Epics? I know uh, you know I know I'm, it's because it had a limited movie release, and I was hoping, and I think it's still probably playing in a couple of movie theaters. A documentary about Paul Williams mm-hmm. and why Paul Williams has the fanboy connection is. One, he was swan in the fantastically cheesy, Phantom wonderful Phantom of the, of the Paradise, Paradise, Brian De Palma's film. And Paul Williams was great in that. And I'll tell you, you know, that's one of those that, like, every two, three years, I have to watch it. Like, I have to pull it off pull it off the shelf and just go, I don't have time for this. Opening weekend for this movie was
1: $6,116. It was on one screen. Yeah. Oh, but it's, uh, it's coming to Netflix. It's coming to On Demand.
0: Oh, okay. So I'm going to catch that then. Um, Paul Williams was also, beside from being in Phantom of the Paradise, he's also a songwriter and, and responsible for, I think, one of the best songs in the latter half of the 20th century, Rainbow, Rainbow Connection. Connection. Um, you know, wrote the songs for the Muppet movie. Certainly one of the most sincere and uplifting love of yeah. life songs. Yeah. You could ever... Just a, a great... Uh, you know, so a great songwriter who... Uh, I guess retired from active work there to become president of ASCAP and make sure that uh, artists were taken care of and composers were taken care of and that the right people were getting paid. And so I don't know the tenor of this documentary, but it's one I've been looking forward to for a long time. So I've watched a bunch of snippets of it on uh, on YouTube. It looks
1: really great. The, the, the gimmick of this is that the filmmaker um, was just in love with... Uh, Paul Williams is an actor, as a performer when he was a kid. And then he came across him in his adult life and said, I've got to make a documentary about them. And the thing is, the guy is not the best documentary maker. But he is so tenacious. And in in fact, he's a little annoying. Yeah, And he's obviously getting on Williams' nerves and sometimes, which brings out these interesting facets. Because Williams is about to tell this story about him and his dad and stuff. And the guy says, wait a minute, I want to interrupt you and ask you a question that has absolutely nothing to do with this. And Williams was going, what, you want to put that in the movie? I'm about to give you a great story about my father and my dad. And this is in the documentary. Oh, that's funny. So um, I, I just wanted to go over the ca- the cast of this is is incredible too. There's, there's just like archive footage of all the things that he was in. Yeah, And you, you realize all the... All the, you know, in the 70s and and early 80s, there were so many of those variety shows. I was
0: going to say, I can remember him being kind of the king of the variety show guests. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, The Carpenters, Mm -hmm. uh, Donnie Marie, uh, obviously The
1: Muppet Muppet Show. But, like, you look through this and it's like Robert Blake, Karen Carpenter, Johnny Carson, Dick Clark, Angie Dickinson, Kermit the Frog. Jack Klugman, Peter Lawford, Tony Randall, Burt Reynolds, Telly Savalas, barbara Streisand, John Travolta and the list just goes on and on of yeah. all these people who he was he was playing off of oh, yeah. or in in movies with and um Sharp the guy's just so sharp and you know, his lyrics are just um well yeah he's always
0: a, uh, just just yeah I mean again it, it, Regardless of loving the Muppet movie, um, you know you listen to that album. So many of those Phantom songs. Paradise. Uh, well, no, I'm the Muppet movie. Oh, the Muppet you movie. You listen to the the, oh, the yeah, Muppet yeah. movie album. He captured the personality of those Muppets in these songs. Like, I mean, and and I, I can go to all, to anybody and start singing some of the and people will jump in. You know, I hope that something better comes along. Moving right along, uh, and. You know, I talk about Rainbow Connection being great, but, you know, Gonzo's song in that, I'm going to go back there someday, Mm -hmm. is the total, like, oh, that sums up Gonzo so beautifully well. And, I mean, just great. And then you go to Phantom of the Paradise. Let's go back to that. Cheesy, great movie. And the music, though, is that's the hell of it. I mean, it's like, you know. (laughs) Good for nothing, bad in bed. Nobody loved you and you're better off dead. Dead. It's a great soundtrack. And I, but and he also like I mean he could write in so many different genres because it's like that covers he's got the surfing fad, oh yeah, that goes through <laughs> uh, the Beatles, it goes
1: through the uh the goth uh, heavy metal, he's got it all heavy metal. he's got it all, and that's
0: you know and and just that this movie, if people don't know it, um you know uh, with Winslow Leach, the, uh, yeah. the the songwriter who gets his sells his soul to Faustian uh, bargain, Faustian bargain with Paul Williams, with the record as, producer as Swan, um, but uh, it also has like two two really great performances from actors that kind of like fizzled and shouldn't have. Oh yeah, uh, Jarrett Graham, who played Beef, Beef, was so great in that and. And he's, Best
1: electrocution singing
0: song. Uh, yes. singing scene ever. Uh, but Jared Graham is in uh, Used Cars a few years later and hilarious in that. And I just don't know. He pops up every now and then. Yeah, but he's a, a comedian that should have been bigger than he was. Uh, Jessica, Jessica Harper, yeah, Har- as uh, what's her what's her name in that? Phoenix. As, she's Phoenix. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know she's great, and she played uh, Janet in the Rocky Horror sequel, Shock Treatment. Right. Um, but uh, you know back to Mr. Bostwick. Uh, And, um, and then in there, it is from that movie that I just, that I have a lifelong. And again, if anybody knows this guy, have him, please email me about him. Like the quintessential three or four line character actor in a movie. And the Phantom of the Paradise is like, I think his biggest role, Archie Han, Archie Hahn is one of the one of the singers, one of the, the boy the band of three yeah. that play in there. That go through all the different phases. They it's go amazing. through all the different phases. Really talented guy. And he's he's Wasn't the Wasn't
1: he in something recently? He's there? the
0: character actor that you if you see a movie, it's like, Oh, that guy and he never seems to have more than three or four lines. I think maybe the biggest party ever had was an Amazon Women on the Moon and he's the guy that watches a news report about his own death and freaks out and then dies and um he uh but if, if he's in spinal tap he's the one that he's the the hotel busboy who comes in and goes oh thank god civilization and <laughs> it's like and he was on a couple of whose lines is anyway. And it's like really talented guy, but just never quite, again, you know, really likable looking and and interesting. My God is his IMDb thing. is, like is, is huge. Alien it, Resurrection,
1: Misery, Rain Man, yeah, Small yeah, yeah, Soldiers. Yeah, yeah.
0: All over the place. Yeah. Little tiny parts. Little tiny parts. So um, if anybody knows Archie Han, uh, I like I've liked his page on Facebook. I am hoping that someday Archie Han will like send a message to his fans Uh just because that's a guy who's had the career, you know? I mean, he's he's just been plugging away, plugging away, plugging away. And I'd like somebody like a Quentin Tarantino, only whose work I enjoy more, um, <laughs> to find Archie Hahn and give him a really good role. So maybe I'm the guy. Uh, Family Planet, the movie. Yeah. Um, 77 movies. Speaking of, of, of 77 movies. 77 titles of movies. Wow. Yeah. Uh, all right. And speaking of, of rumored movies. Uh, so, uh, this week, we get, it's a not, week's not complete without somebody talking about a Marvel movie and the rumor about who's going to be in it. So, this week, uh, they mentioned that uh, there's a rumor that Ms. Marvel will appear in Avengers 2. Now, mind you, that none of this has been confirmed, but it's enough that our fandroids, Brian K. Chimot in particular, have said, what do you think about these rumors? Because on several pages, I've seen discussion of who the cast is and apparently emily blunt is in the front running uh front runner to be the role of carol danvers aka ms marvel in avengers 2 without anybody actually confirming that carol danvers is in avengers 2 so except they want to say it because uh emily blunt was supposed to play uh the black widow but uh, because of a, of a contractual thing with Fox about The Devil Wears Prada, she had to do *Gulliver's um, Travels instead. So she didn't get to be in Iron Man 2 as Black Widow. So, um, and so Brian asked me, like, who, if not Emily Blunt, who else would we think of? And I'm just not a big fan of this whole trend of casting character- actresses that don't really actually look like the characters when there are plenty of actresses who do, do look like the characters. Yeah. Uh, so, but that said, I'm not sure who I would cast as Carol Danvers. Well, uh, you know, the
1: characters changed quite a bit in the latest uh, the latest issue. Yeah. She's gone to short hair and she doesn't look like the uh, the one that we've had for the last uh, five, yeah. six years.
0: Yeah, well, which doesn't matter. I mean, which version would they use? And, I mean, it implies if Carol, I, I mean, I would just hope then this if it's true that Ms. Marvel's in it, then Marvel's going to beat DC to getting their Captain Marvel to the screen. And um See I don't, I
1: don't see I don't see Emily Blunt as the role because Miss Marvel is a military woman. She, right. She's Well,
0: Emily Blunt's a good actress. I yeah. could see her taking that role. That's not uh But you know who'd be strong? I mean, she might be too old. But uh, if you're going to go with a British actress, uh, Kate Winslet would pull together that strength. Yeah, Um, she might be. She might be too old for the way they envision that character. But that would be that would be somebody that I would think would be cool. If you want to go younger, uh, just go with um, Yvonne Strahovski um, from Chuck. She'd be a good choice. She'd be a really good choice. And so uh, let's just stop there because now that I've said it, that's That's, who I want. That's the one. because I think she's beautiful. Did
1: you see that Ant-Man is going back to the Avengers?
0: No, really. There was... To in, match the... In, uh, in the book, in the, in oh, the Marvel Oh, no, I book. understand what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, gee, to match the potential lineup of Avengers 2? Possibly. Possibly. The wildest movie rumor, movie comics to film rumor this week, and it's not a rumor, I mean, it's actually the guy who said it, is um, Happy, the creator-owned book by Derek Robertson and uh, Grant Morrison about a mob hitman who, while in the hospital, did you get a chance to read it yeah I yet? haven't yet. Okay. Remember, while in the hospital, after a hit kind of goes awry, uh, on the drip, starts seeing a tiny, feathered, blue unicorn, who, again, I think I must reiterate, in my mind, sounds exactly like Goofy, uh, to tell the heartwarming story of this mob hitman trying to avoid getting killed, While trying to rescue some child who is in trouble. So an enchanting holiday story with all the sex and violence you could ask. Um, The RZA of Wu-Tang Clan, um, who I think has been in a couple of movies and uh, as an actor not been bad. uh, And a lot of people love the Wu-Tang Clan. Clan, I can't even say it. Wu-Tang Clan. Clan. Um, And, uh, you know, but I couldn't speak to that. Sorry. Um, so, uh, he is directing a, 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 martial arts film first. Um, and then he wants to adapt happy to the big screen. So what an interesting, I, I mean, I, I have to withhold judgment. I think he's been successful in every creative endeavor he's tried. Let's see what filmmaking's like. I'm sure he's probably shot his own videos a few times, but, uh, it will be interesting to see if that pans out but what a really interesting concept a connection and there are days and these are the movies i like is the movie that doesn't look like any other movie that's can you imagine seeing the trailer for that uh <laughs> yes i can <laughs> and, actually i think we've had a couple of movies like this and though, the recently. audience reaction
1: that goes what haven't we we've had we've had that one tv show about the guy who grew up with the bear with uh, marky mark uh, no that's the movie ted ted yeah and then then we've had the tv show with uh the guy who talks to the dog uh uh, the dog that belongs to the girl he's he's uh,
0: oh wilfred wilfred Right, that's a weird show.
1: Yeah, so I mean, it's not like it's it's not that far out there. The no, no, is, is but going to take a chance. No, on
0: you it. know, you make a good point. You make a good point. And Ted certainly probably made it that easy because have you seen Ted yet? No, I haven't. A, a brilliant setup because I want to say like I just mocked the holiday film, and that's what he sets it up as uh-huh. as as children. That's the as the child, Marky Mark's character is the holiday wish that right. he wants I a really, friend, yeah. and the teddy bear comes to life. And everybody sees it and freaks out, and then it's like you know, and you go in like five minutes. They do, they compress what would be the holiday film into five minutes as Ted becomes super famous and is like on the Tonight Show and stuff. <coughs> and then says, and then thirty years later, <laughs> when he realizes that you, you hang, even if you're remarkable, you hang out around long enough. Nobody gives an ass, and <laughs> so you know, and I thought, that that was a really clever way to get into it. So, which then can transition to TV because Ted will be coming out in December on DVD, and I'm really looking forward to it. Um, because, and I really am looking forward to it because that movie cracked me up because of the Flash Gordon react, uh, reaction, and hopefully that Sam J. Jones will have a career again because of Ted yes. playing Sam J. Jones. Uh, so television. Brian K, uh, K. Shimada also asked us: Did we watch Arrow last night? And we're gonna have to say we're gonna have to put off the discussion of Arrow for a week because Rick uh, DVR'd it, T-voted if you will. Oh, you actually have a Tivo, so I've it is. You've been out of town. You T-voted. You've been out of town. I've been out of touch. Uh, I've been super busy, you and which you know, and and uh, so hopefully sometime in the next week I will get a chance to watch that on uh, on demand. And um, yeah, I mean. The word is good. Uh, the digital comic came out yesterday as well, so I downloaded that. I didn't even have a chance to read that. Oh, I didn't so, see that. So uh, it's on. Yeah, I was on. So Microsoft. is this gonna be like a Smallville style sidebar? No, not a, a separate universe. Uh, yeah. uh, they said that it'll digital it'll, it'll fill in background information. So next week maybe we can, or the next podcast we can talk about uh, how does that interact? Does it seem to? Uh, that's the hope. Mark Guggenheim is saying that there will that it will tie in. Can I the diverge place. for a
1: second because I I have been reading the paper version of the of Smallville, Smallville. Mm-hmm. and I am loving that story. Because, uh, and I think it's just because the Smallville universe was so clean and newly formed without without the 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 52-ishing of of oh, okay. it. and I like their Batman. I like the way that the characters got along and didn't get along and the 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 uh it's not a Robin, it's a Nightwing he, his Nightwing wing is the uh, the sidekick. Uh, I'm enjoying that book and it's it's um it's a huge book. It's a, it's a while to read and I always feel like I'm getting my money's worth on it too.
0: And well, I mean, you are saying about the cleanness of that is. I mean, the the difference is one of the strengths of Smallville, and yet sometimes some of the weakness, was you really were only experiencing those heroes through Clark's eyes. Yes. And so you didn't know a whole bunch of like and, – and that was one of the th- cool things about like Justice Society when they showed up. When Legion, which I still think was probably handled the absolute best, mm-hmm. the Legion of Superheroes was fantastic. I'm overusing that word. I'm going to stop. Uh, but they were good. And Justice Society, some of it was good, and yet there were some of it that it was just like, how did you not know? These twelve heroes were running, especially the specter, which they never got around to actually showing, but they implied that the specter was there. And I was like, once the specter's there, all bets are off, you know. And and and, and they didn't deal with that well. But um, what I'm hearing on Arrow is that it's much grimmer, uh, much more of a realistic feel, which this is. Okay, I get it, but it's like I said last week with movies: is that I want to see the movie that just embraces, which Marvel's done. Yeah. I think The Avengers embraces the fact there's an era, there's an aura of unreality here. Let's just have fun with it. Let's just go. Stop being embarrassed that you love superheroes.
1: You know what I think? Because it everybody comes does. down
0: to with these TV
1: shows, though, is budget. They want to spend a lot. They want to they want to they want to tie you in with the human drama, and not so much with the superhero antics.
0: Which is a shame, because I don't really care about the... I don't don't want the human drama. It's like the newsroom. I don't want the human drama, because the actual human drama that they're reporting on, that I care about. That's what, you know, so, yeah, we'll... Okay, Um, (laughs) we are proud to announce that uh, occasional sponsor of the show, Bill Bossert, who uh, produced a film called The Horror of Dracula... No, the Terror of Dracula, because the Horror of Dracula is the Christopher Lee one. Yes, the Terror of Dracula. Um, R- Bill Bill R- received one of the highest honors you could receive as an independent producer. It's a, it's a rare honor. It is. A, it's not that rare. Well, for, for but, an independent it, but it producer. but but it it's certainly for an independent producer. It's it's a certain mark of a level of success. Yes, and you're probably wondering what kind of award was this he was given. It is the South of the Border Award. Uh, for Bill Boss Terror of Dracula ola, has been pirated. He found a pirated edition of his own movie on DVD from Mexico. And let's just applaud. Bravo. It's, bravo, Bill. Bravo. Congratulations. I have said this about my comics writing. I, I dream of the day that I write a comic book so popular that people scan it and pirate it. I won't be happy, but it'll be a mixed emotion because, like, I'm big enough, someone... Bothered to pirate it, so I, I'm. I, yeah. I, I think that's great. Congratulations, um, congratulations, Bill. Very very pleased. Um, and speaking of Dracula, and as we get into uh, Halloween, I'm, I'm hoping y'all have. I don't know if I'll have a time to do more than watch snippets of each one. But I got an unexpected, very tasty package in the magic mailbox uh, today. Actually, it's the magic FedEx uh, office. Kind of a pain having to go back there, but uh, Universal has remastered what they consider their core eight horror films. Okay. And put it out on Blu-ray in one fantastic package. So I'm going to guess. One box. So. Can I guess? Sure. Frankenstein. Frankenstein.
1: Dracula. Mm-hmm. Son of Frankenstein.
0: Mm, Bride of Frankenstein. Okay.
1: Bride of Frankenstein. Castle of Frankenstein. Nope. No. Okay. Wolfman. Mm-hmm. Creature from the Black Lagoon. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, oh. Um. They didn't. I'm, I'm now. I'm now. I'm doing Lon Chaney characters. Uh. So okay. Hunchback. No. No the Hunchbacks no there. Hunch,
0: uh. Phantom. Phantom of the Opera, Opera. But it's all the sound ones. It's all sound. It's okay. not any silent films, unfortunately. That is the only flaw I have in that is that I wanted to see. I was hoping I'd see the silent films. Yeah. But so, um. Phantom
1: of the Opera and um,
0: Invisible Man. Oh, Invisible Man. And mm-hmm. now I've lost track. We were on Creature. Uh, and, oh crap. So maybe Son of Frankenstein is in there. Um, Son of Frankenstein is a significant movie. Yeah. So maybe I'll have to go check in and we'll do it, do a larger. But, uh, one thing is the Creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh, they have the 3D version because it was originally released in 3D. So if you have the 3D television, you can watch that. Uh, Dave Tapia, get it. And tell me how it is. He, he, he it's, it's not that type of 3D. <coughs> <laughs> You're going to have to do the Red gang, red gang process. No, no. Oh, they've they've remastered a, they remastered it for did it the – polarized? They did it polarized. Interesting. So, okay. so it does say it's it's done correctly. So you okay. have to the 3D TV. And uh, the Spanish-language version of Dracula, which was filmed at night on the same sets as the Bela Lugosi. Heard about that. So it's included. That's in there. And awesome. so, so I've heard that's actually really good. I've heard that it's better than the Bela Lugosi. So I'm really looking forward to watching that. And uh, there's like a, a lot of extras and a little souvenir 48-page uh, book about the horror films. And if you if you get that package along with the other thing, I think we talked about last week, Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein was remastered, put out on on Blu-ray. This is a Halloween uh, uh, marathon. Oh my gosh, yeah. So I did. I did exactly what I said I wasn't going to do, or said I'm not going to do that. Yes, I am. Uh, I did go to Amazon and really, I bought uh, Abbott and Costello. And I bought uh, Mad Monster Party, the Rankin-Bass Excellent. animated thing. So that's on Blu-ray. That just came out a couple weeks ago, too. So just uh, if we look at those eight movies,
1: I just want to get your take on this. If you were if you were going to introduce a young child of the mm-hmm. really appropriate age for these movies to the genre of the universal horror film. Oh, The of Mummy. It? I'm sorry. That was the one that's missing. Oh, the Mummy. Okay. The Mummy, yeah. Boris Karloff. Yes. Which one of those would you choose to start with?
0: Frankenstein. Really, I'd do Bride of Frankenstein no, no, one, I want to teach my kids sequential storytelling uh, so to, <laughs> no and this is the prequel kid no um I shall let's start with Frankenstein. I will agree with you that Bride of Frankenstein is a trippier, more accessible movie, but I think that you don't sell the first one short. I think I think bride plays better to a modern audience because
1: it has more storytelling. Yeah, effects and the story no, I, pops along no, faster. I agree with
0: that. But yeah. really, if I'm going to start, uh, I, under- I understand your pur- purest uh, uh, motivation. Or I might go with Creatures from the Black Lagoon because it's legitimately scary, but it, they and they look closer to who we are. Yeah, you know, um, it's
1: it's a little slow moving. I think I
0: don't remember much. Yeah, I'm to there's, there's a lot
1: that. of sitting in that boat looking at the water. And
0: sadly, what I can remember about Invisible Man is again, I'm back to Amazon Women on the Moon, overdue for a Blu-ray release. With uh, Ed Bigley Jr. playing the Invisible man, Son of the Invisible Man, do you remember uh-huh. that one?
1: I, I saw that movie once.
0: I don't. And remember they that. said, "Well, my father's formula drove him insane, but it didn't do it to me." And then he takes off his clothes, and he's still visible. Right, and says, right. Have you ever seen a shirt floating without a man in yes. it? Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's <laughs> it's sad that that's all I can think of with the Invisible Man. Um, so that was Stacy. Let's go to games because uh, yeah. you have a couple things. First of all. We try to we try to stay away from politics. Although you know we were watching the vice presidential vice, vice presidential debate before we started recording. Yes, and I said it was not fair for me to have to watch the debate and read Phantom Stranger number one on the same day because uh, I was just getting so upset. <laughs> so, but apparently, not even you can't even game and escape it in the mythical land of Maine. Apparently there is a Democrat. That's M A I N E, not M A Y N E or, you main,
1: know. I understand it's near at Atlantic Ocean.
0: Or M E S N E, no, yes. it's not. It's But there's a there's a uh, The Ocean of Atlantis, you say? Colleen lakowitz who is No, wait, no, no. Seriously? Are we just being played right now? You're going to tell me someone named Lacowitz, L A C H O W I C Z? Likewise. Are you sure this is not a prank story now? Because really, she lack a wits. She has a lack of wits. No, no,
1: but this is the victim. This is the victim. Oh, they, oh, this, this is, is the, worse. This is the Democratic candidate. Okay, I'm sorry. For, this is worse. for Maine State Senate. Okay, it's being attacked by the Republican Party uh, because she plays World of Warcraft and is and is open about her playing and has a sense of humor about it. And the things that she's done and is saying are being brought up as reasons why she is
0: now, unfit for office. Uh, is there a problem that maybe by playing World of Warcraft and just, you know, tell me. I mean, because I'm sure there are Republicans that play World of Warcraft as well. Um, I think it's about the redistribution of wealth in World of Warcraft no, that annoys uh, people. Is it that is it they feel that she's out of touch of, from reality? Because I noticed that World of Warcraft actually is now playing with anthropomorphic pandas. But, um yeah. Yeah, you don't have a problem with that <laughs> I just thought it was an interesting step to take that's all but uh that's not a criticism i don't play World of Warcraft because i believe in i believe in my busy schedule I would like to see the sun once every seventy two hours
1: you know the 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 myth is that you don't have to play every hour of every day to enjoy the game.
0: You say the myth is <laughs> I mean, the, myth, the, the the
1: myth is pardon me the myth is. Broken by the fact that you really don't have to play every hour, of every okay. day. But a lot of people believe they're, that they're they're paying fifteen dollars a month to play this. They better get their money's worth. And it's like, what kind of money's worth are you looking for? A dime an hour? Is it? Because uh, I I always felt like if I got stick it to the man. If I if I got like fifteen hours in over a month, which is really know, half an hour a day, but I wouldn't play every day. How are you doing that? You know, it's you need a job. I no I don't play World of Warcraft. <laughs> oh okay. Anymore.
0: Well, by the way, you And, Thank and you. that message was sponsored by Debbie Brechner. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of played, paid political announcement. But uh, the
1: you you can have you can have a lot of fun with the game and you don't have to get absorbed into it. And it sounds like she's got she's played a fair amount of time. She's a level 60 something um orc. Uh, badass lady. Okay,
0: so again, is it that she's a Democrat or that she's a nerd that the Republicans are objecting to? I think
1: you know they can pick and choose either one of those okay. and just be upset with her. <laughs> but uh, and it's it's it, you, you hear everyone nowadays saying you know be careful what you put on Twitter, be careful what you put on Facebook because that's going to come back at you. But they've got chat streams from her being in World of Warcraft and talking about the game she's that they're using that they're using they're using against her in this campaign. It's just kind of
0: amusing. Um why can't we all just get along? And I, I, let I me mean, fight plea, the mobs because again, I, I know that she listens to the podcast. Megan McCain, what's your opinion on this? <laughs> because you know, I she said wisely, like when Romney was caught, she said, you know, if you're running for president, you have to know that the cameras always on you. Yeah. You just have to know that. Um, so I don't think that was a criticism. Whether or not she's voting for Romney, who knows? But. But, you know, that was a legitimate criticism. And that's a legitimate criticism of Obama, for that matter. Um, And so if you're playing World of Warcraft, you have to know the screen cap is always always on you. (laughs) Always. Uh, (laughs) Someone is watching. Someone is recording So play anonymously. Come up. That's why I don't play as Derek (laughs) 3. I don't play at all. Um, Yeah. My clever name is Sir, which is
1: Rick spelled backwards. Oh, I without a K, right? I I, I right. would
0: I would betray uh, Goodson's identity, but he'll come back and hurt me. So, um, and the new listeners they don't know who I'm talking about, but that's uh, one of the guys that founded the Fanboy Planet website and helped with the. Uh, and I can only really imagine what it is. Oh, uh, Nate Costa is calling in. Nate, put him on the put him on speaker. Nate, Nate, are you there? There he is. Yes. Nate, we have you on the podcast recording. Oh, wonderful. Hi, podcast. Great. Nate, uh, what do you have to say for this week? Anything in the news that's got you excited? Uh, What was in the news this week? Uh, New York Comic Con is going on, and uh, Todd Knock is tweeting pictures that he's doing. Okay. I'll take that. Oh, you can win a sketch from if, Todd Nock at New York Comic Con. Okay. All right. Are you safe, Nate? Are you, uh, You're you from an undisclosed location on I-5. Are you safe right now? Apparently not. We've lost Nate Costa. Well, it was nice to get him on the show <laughs> so, for a little bit. <laughs> okay. And now can we talk about uh, the board game for a movie that we have touted and We've touted and about. touted? So uh, this week, and by uh, the way, I must say, you know, your your gushing was totally justified. Yeah, I, I, it always is.
1: Um, Dad, so, so this second m- opinion. This month in Germany, in Essen, uh, there is the Essen Spiel, which is the big gathering of over eighty different countries. Send uh, have people coming to Essen to yeah. bring out their new games. And I was there last year, and that was when I f- when I first got made contact with one of some of the Iron Sky guys. Who at that time were showing a prototype of... Uh, Keep talking. I'm just going to tell Nate he's annoying. So last year when at Essen I saw the the demo, the the early prototype for a board game based on Iron Sky and so right. we've seen the movie since then and the, the board game is is this month at the Essen show this year oh. coming out and it costs about 40 euros which is about $50 US. Um, if you shop around you're probably going to be able to find a better deal. Um uh, they are taking at the uh, Iron Sky. It's score, store.ironsky.net. Um, you can pre-order the board game. Um, you can also pre-order uh, things. I actually haven't seen these myself, but there are video games for PC and Mac. Yeah, I've heard that was coming. I don't Xbox 360, PlayStation. So um, we'll cover that as soon as we have some more detail. But the, the board game, oddly enough... Uh, mimics the the factions within the movie uh earth is a factionalized uh set of uh warriors uh, yeah yeah, and you have to through events you have to kind of bond together to be able to fight off the uh nazi invasion so um as soon as I have more information about it we 'll probably do a better better right. review of it but uh really kind of excited to see them
0: uh, them progress this uh this uh, well, and and, and and to just throw it back around because now um, at this table, and if Nate could call in, Nate was with with us when we saw it again, and so just last week on Blu-ray, uh, Iron Sky was released, yes, and uh, so it's available on home video, and it was uh, it went places I didn't expect, uh, and and the more I thought about it, was what I really really appreciated about it was it stuck its comedy on a really good plot which i expected to just be cheesy and then that it wasn't it had complexity to it It had complexity to it and it was satirical in places but it was still in fact some of the satire stuff some of the some of the parody elements actually annoyed me because i i got so caught up in the story i was annoyed when they took me out of it by making a joke yeah and uh and then, I, but then I'd get over it really quick. It was just like, okay, fine. Um, and then it it really, really went into a direction I, that I thought that was not where I expected to anything up. to end up. Um, so I was really impressed. Uh, performances by a lot of people I didn't know who they were. I've never seen them before. The guy playing the the American astronaut uh, or the fashion model turned American astronaut yes. was really good. Yeah. And the young woman who'd been fed a certain brand of Nazism while on the moon she believed that The Great Dictator was a movie about was, uh, a, no what I love was a 10 minute short about yes <laughs> <laughs> instead of the real film um, I just you know and that was the kind of comedy where I was like that, that's that's like a really good detail mm-hmm. it's a joke but it's a good detail well thought that, that out as well well to you know. so how it's going to affect so me, yeah. um, really really good movie I, I really enjoyed this so thank you for raving about that for a year it's the, and those are the kinds of movies I like to see. It's taking you in a direction you don't you don't expect, and but it was solidly done and incredibly great uh, production values. Oh, and yeah. the special effects oh, yeah. were amazing. Yeah, so for a small love that. independent film.
1: All right, so, so you know
0: we'll see what we what we can find to talk about next week, yep. uh, or the next time. So you know, in the meantime, check us out on the Facebook page. Post things that you're interested in, and we'll have a conversation. And we are working on. I don't know the details yet, but soon we'll be able to announce when we'll do the call in show. Yep. Not sure how it's going, but that's Rick's job. That's why he's producer. A, I just
1: need a couple of days. Oh,
0: just, okay. Um. So. Um. Anyway. Uh. You, again, if you like us, please tell your friends, please rate us on iTunes, please subscribe to us. Please listen to us on the Stitcher app if that's your chosen way. You're one of us now. Yes, listen to us on www.fanboyplanet.com and do, you know, read the articles. We're 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 there. We're trying. Uh if you liked like to uh, send a dime or two on PayPal. We appreciate that. And cuz you know, a we give it to you for free, but uh the hosting's not. So <laughs> anyway, um but I do it for love. And uh, till the next time and beyond, I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief, fanboyplanet.com. You can write to us at editor at fanboyplanet.com. And I'm Rick Pressneder. And I'm reminding
1: you to use your, your powers, powers only, only for good.